Aging Matters is brought to you in part by Kathy Corridan, Senior Real Estate Specialist. Kathy is a realtor with KW Metro Center in Alexandria and works with seniors in Alexandria, Arlington, and D.C. to make selling their home and moving less stressful and more successful. More information is available at 703-971-7237 or ccatkw at gmail.com. Good afternoon and welcome to Aging Matters on Arlington Independent Media's community radio station, WERALP Arlington, 96.7 FM. I'm Cheryl Beversdorf, your host. While many older adults want to stay in their homes and age in place, they may need help to do so. One possible solution is a concept called a village, which combines aging in place with a type of interdependent living that helps make aging at home possible. Currently, there are 74 villages in the Washington, D.C. area. Some are operating, while others are in various stages of development. Today, my guest is Mary Jo Deering, president of the Washington Area Village Exchange, also known as WAVE. She's going to talk about what a village is, what services are offered to help older adults remain in their homes. She'll also talk about villages in the D.C. area and how they differ, and what they're doing to serve older adults in their communities. So welcome, Mary Jo, and thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you, Cheryl, for inviting me. I'm really glad to be on your program. Okay, well, Mary Jo, probably the best way to get this interview going is for you to explain what is meant by the village model or the the village movement. I think most people want to know, is this a real village? Help us understand that. Well, thank you very much for that question, Cheryl. And with your permission, I really want to start by dedicating my remarks to a dear friend and a a great pioneer of the village movement who passed away less than just this morning. Uh, She was the uh, co-founder of WAVE, as it happens, and she has given very wise guidance to countless people who were setting up villages or managing their evolution. And she was a tireless advocate for villages at the local, state, and national level. Her name was Miriam Kelty, and she was a true pioneer. So it's in her spirit that I'm going to share what I can with, with your listeners. So first of all, a village is not is both more and less than a real a village. It's not a formal political entity, you know, like a township or a municipality. And it certainly is not a senior living community or an assisted living facility um, that um, may have the word village in its in its name, but it's really so much more. Um, it's a model to build virtual communities. It's a community of, of neighbors and friends. It's a grassroots, villages are grassroots, volunteer-driven nonprofit organizations, and they provide various activities and programs and services, as you said, to help older adults uh, stay in their community. And to that point, Mary Jo, Tell us exactly where the village model started. How long ago was it? In what geographical area? And on what were the principles that 
the movement was established? Well, thank you for that question. Uh, Beacon Hill in the Boston area uh, was created over 20 years ago by a group of women who wanted to age in their homes and realized that they needed help to do that. And so they made up uh, this concept of what we call neighbors helping and caring for neighbors. Uh, that is the, the primary concept and principle of, uh, of the village and of the village movement. So uh, among the, the specific principles are, as, as we've said, uh, it's a mission to really help uh, seniors retain their independence and stay in their homes and stay active in their communities. Uh, volunteerism is an absolute core. Um, almost all programs and services throughout most villages are volunteer-based, neighbor-to-neighbor, you know, sort of like pay it forward, you know, and mutual support services. Um, uh, the principle of community and connection is also uh, important. Um, many are organized within small geographically based communities, um, although some are, ex are more extended. But in any case, there's a sense of connection within that community. And finally, collaboration. Uh, villages cooperate with each other. Um, they cooperate with intergenerational activities, with um, existing senior service agencies and local businesses and municipal programs and other strategic partners. So those are some of the key points. And would you say that uh, the whole village movement, it's been around for some time now, is really redefining the whole concept of aging in place, which I mentioned earlier in my introduction? And and is it really kind of going throughout the United States now? Uh, what would you tell us? There is a definite effort to change the paradigm of aging. Um, you know, we've mentioned helping people stay in their homes as long as they want to and as long as it's safe for them. Um, we've talked about you know, the practical support services to help them with non-medical household tax uh, tasks and, and transportation. You know, we are all learning a lot about social isolation these days, and we understand that it's a major risk factor uh, for decline in later years, as well as being, of course, um, uh, difficult for people of any ages. Um, villages promote um, uh, staying active uh, you know, through their recreational and social and educational and cultural programs. And you know, these programs really help keep the people engaged in their communities and are minimizing isolation. So those are some of the key things. Um, now, yes, uh, it is growing throughout the United States. Um, in many cases, they're being uh, created in, in a new type of area. Uh, they tended to begin in the early years, you know, in small neighborhoods, within urban areas, and that has tended, and urban areas have, have continued to uh, uh, predominate. But now um, there are villages forming in the further out suburbs and in starting in counties that are far away from uh, big cities. Or sometimes an existing village will grow itself beyond its original boundaries. For example, Silver Spring in Maryland started with a single uh, zip code, which is still quite a large area, as you can imagine. Um, but it is now expanded to multiple zip codes uh, that serve what is broadly called Silver Spring. Um, uh, another village with the charming name of A Little Help in Colorado started back in 2005 as a very small neighborhood village in the, in, in, inside Denver. 
Um, and by 2008, it started expanding through partnerships to include another town outside of Denver and some northern Colorado areas. So as you can see, the types of expansion are both you know, quantitatively in the number of villages and in the type and scope of the villages themselves. So what you're saying really is that uh, all village models are not the same that they probably vary in lots of different ways, whether it's size or perhaps the number of people they serve or the services. Would you agree? Absolutely. And that's one of the most important points to make about villages. Uh, uh, It's often said that if you've seen one village, you've seen one village. Um, Among the major categories of villages that that, um, you, you can recognize are the initial classic model of the neighborhood network, which was a very informal uh, arrangement, no no business organization per se, and it might have been managed or, or it might still today if, if, if you are one of those villages, managed by just a committee or a steering uh, group. Um, membership is loosely defined by residents in the designated area. Um, they may charge a, a nominal fee or they may charge no fees and expenses are primarily funded by donations. Um, there are standalone nonprofits, which are independent, uh, legally incorporated, and usually you know, 501c3 organizations. And variations include villages with and without membership fees and with and without paid staff. And many of these grew out of the small neighborhood network um, model. Um, some grew out of existing service-oriented uh, organizations like, like church mission groups. Um, Arlington National Village is a good example of a standalone nonprofit. It was started in, 19, uh, in 2014 and has now grown to almost 300 members and 300 volunteers, and it has paid staff and offers quite a lot of services. There are some villages that are sponsored. A sponsored uh, village operates um, under, as it says, the sponsorship of another organization, which could be another nonprofit, uh, could be a social services or aging services organization. It could be a for-profit, uh, like a healthcare provider or a government agency, like the Area Agency on Aging. But there are far fewer of those. Um, and in any case, the sponsor and the village have very separate management um, structures. This is really a, the, the looser sponsor approach. On the other hand, there are um, that there, there, there can be uh, villages um, that are like operating units under a parent organization um, where it literally the, um, the village is an integral part of, of that organization. Um, one that I had known of is Reston for a Lifetime, which was part of a, a well-established um, a Reston uh, entity uh, that helped promote you know, community coordination. Um, we there is something called the hub and spoke village model, which is just as it sounds, um, a central organization that provides, say, the business and administrative uh, tasks um, for one or more associated spokes um, this, uh, villages. Now um, uh, we don't have any of those in the Washington D.C. area, but there is a variation which we're calling a, a shared functions model, um, which doesn't require having a central organization. Um, multiple villages can jointly fund or support something like a common administrative platform, you know, uh, an administrative website, or share a staff person like a, a social worker. Um, there's increasing interest in this approach. And in fact, the D.C. government um, gave grants to D.C. villages to collectively hire 
um, uh, one social worker to to share, you know, amongst them, so that they can provide slightly more, you know, sophisticated professional services. And as I mentioned, there is increasing interest in that approach. Well, it obviously sounds like there are many different models as well as different ways of getting uh, funded as well. So I want to move more to what our listeners are probably most interested in, and that's who are the village members? Are Across the board, are there requirements uh, to join? Uh, and, and do all the villages have members? How, how is that determined? Does that say vary as much as the different models, or is it more uniform uh, insofar as who can join and what the criteria for doing so are? Well, I think you've you've answered your own question in your introduction because yes, uh, they are as varied as every aspect that that you've um, mentioned. Um, usually, uh, what is in common is that their um, uh, activities are open to uh, people living within some particular geographic area, but some villages have no formal members at all. They are virtual entities uh, where they um, don't distinguish, you know, in any way, shape, or form between those who are members and get special um, attention and services, and, and those who are not. Um, now, membership villages, um, uh, again, the only um, requirements that some of them put in is a particular age threshold. Um, over fifty-five is the most usual starting point. Um, for them. And there are a few that are explicitly intergenerational and that reach out to, um, say, you know, younger people um, in, in their neighborhoods or uh, certainly would just open it to, um, you know, families because um, they're trying to pay it forward and build community and having the involvement of, of younger families, you know, can be a help. Um, the village that I started in, in Maplewood in the Bethesda area, um, we partnered with some parents um, to uh, host, you know, their Halloween party for them, you know, regularly. So again, uh, you're right, there's wide variety um, and there, there's, a, there's a village for everyone. And to that point, Mary Jo, for those villages that do have members, is there a formal application process? Is like, do they need to find the application form on the website? Uh, do they have to pay a fee then, a membership fee? Is that part of how that those particular villages are funded? What, what would you tell us? Well, you are quite right that they um, that they all have a membership link on their websites. Um, if they have a website, which most member villages uh, do, and it just says "join" it is usually the the word that you're looking for at, at the top of their uh, of their navigation bar, and uh, fees can range from zero, as I've mentioned, to hundreds of dollars a month, even in the upper hundreds of dollars a month or more, um, which obviously reflects the sophistication and number of paid um, professional staff that that may be part of that. Um, village, but there is no other requirement, you know, to to join. Um, if if you, uh, other than again being in the in the rough geographic area, however that was described by the particular village. And are you aware, um, again, drawing on these villages that actually have members? Are there even different member categories? You mentioned intergenerational or wh whatever. Do these villages usually list the kind of benefits that are available uh, then to the 
in each of the member categories? Uh, how does that work? Well, thank you. Yes, absolutely. Um, the the most common uh, two categories are you know full member and associate member. Um, a full member gets access to any and all services as well as everything else. Associate members can participate in all activities but get no services. Uh, often there are individual and household memberships. So if in fact you're in a household with a uh, with a, a spouse or partner of of, of any kind, why um, you know you can have a household membership. And many villages offer reduced fees where needed. Well, in fact, that that's interesting that you mentioned that. I um, maybe my listeners or our listeners here don't know, but I'm a, a, a board member of Arlington Neighborhood Village, and that's exactly what happened, especially during uh, COVID, when more older adults in the Arlington uh, region required uh, or needed services as well. And so there was a, a, a reduced fee for them to join or a delayed membership fee to pay. So I'm wondering maybe if that also occurred in other villages, uh, just to help out people so that people could get served, especially during the pandemic. Are, are you aware of any of the other members in WAVE? Oh, absolutely. This this was done in, in other villages during COVID. But I think my, my point was that um, there are villages that have always had an established policy of not turning away anyone. So, so that's a, a way of, of, of enabling everyone to participate. Well, and that's and that was especially important during COVID and may still be the case. So the other thing you had mentioned already uh, is about uh, the geographic location. You gave a couple of, of, of examples. Usually our village members, do they live close to each other, near each other? Are there other examples of how the geographic boundaries of a village have been uh, established? Well, again, it all depends on the organizers. Um, all many villages, most, well, no, many villages did start by the neighborhood network model, which I mentioned to you, which was the initial model of a very distinct, uh, relatively small geographic area. And it was, uh, you know, uh, after some years rolled by that places like Silver Spring would de- uh, decide that they were going to tackle it um, on a far more you know, professional basis and, and do the whole zip code and and jump right in with an executive director and and offer a full range of, of services. So um, the answer is, you know, it depends on where you live. If it's an existing village, um, it depends on, on where you live and and what they determined, um, uh, what those organizers determined was was best for the people in their area and the resources that they had available to manage a village. You mentioned already that Arlington Neighborhood Village has around 300 members. Uh, to your knowledge, does the number of members vary quite a bit, or what do you know? Yeah, the answer is is quite a bit. There are some that are really very small, and um, but small as in you know maybe three or four dozen people. But there are um, members that do have hundreds of uh, villages that have hundreds of members. Um, I would say that the 300 to 400 range is, is maybe a little toward the higher side. Um, uh, but uh, again, it, it, it does vary. And as you can imagine, as much by the geographic scope of what they've set out to cover. 
And I was going to just throw this question in right now, Mary Jo, because when we talked in our our little pre-program discussion, you had mentioned about the fact that if there isn't a village in a particular geographic area, is it possible to start one? And if so, what would people do? Oh, I am so glad you asked that question. I think that will be one of the most uh, important things that that, uh, some of your listeners should take away from this. Really, it does all boil down to an individual wanting to get something started. In every single case, there was either one or a very small handful of people who said, you know, we need this. And for those who are listening and and who are in the metropolitan uh, D.C. area, I would say that they should visit the Washington Area Villages Exchange um, website, which is wavevillagesallstrungtogether.org, and they will be provided with help in setting up their village. Also, in the different jurisdictions, uh, like Virginia um, or Alexandria, Arlington is already covered, uh, you know, Fairfax um, in Montgomery County, um, there are uh, sometimes people uh, who have been named by that jurisdiction uh, to help uh, villages. Uh, Montgomery County has a, a, a villages, uh, I don't think the word coordinator is in her title. She, she would be more called a, a village mentor. So um, if, would you like me to talk about the WAVE Village Mentoring um, Project now? We're going to be talking more about WAVE in the second half of the program. I was going to ask more of a generic uh, question right now of just as we have WAVE, which is the Washington Area Village Exchange, since this program now also is on Spotify and Apple, are there comparable organizations to WAVE so that people, say, listening to this program in other parts of the country would also be able to find kind of something that's similar to WAVE to see how to learn uh, about how to start a, a, a program. I'd just kind of like to start there. I, I'd say that um, there are relatively few regional entities. There are some out in the San Francisco area. Um, uh, most important for starting out, I would suggest that people visit the website of the National Village organization, which is called the Village to Village Network. And its website is VTV, for Village to Village, vtvnetwork.org. And they have a map on their website that shows um, existing villages that they're aware of. And you can uh, join V2V at a very reduced fee to help you know get started and get going. Um, so uh, again, there are not many uh, uh, regional uh, villages, uh, uh, regional uh, entities like like WAVE um, operating uh, right now. The good news is that there are some possibilities, and we're going to get into more of that in the second half of the program, because I also want you to explain a little bit more about the kinds of programs and services that that villages offer. But I know that's going to be a long discussion, and I just want to take a short break right now for those folks who tuned in late. We're talking with Mary Jo Deering, president of the Washington Area Village Exchange, also known as WAVE, and you're listening to WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. We'll be right back. Thank you. 
Aging Matters on WERA is brought to you in part by Synergy Home Care. Synergy Home Care provides premier in-home care for you or your loved one throughout Northern Virginia, including personal care, homemaker services, companion and memory care, and transportation. Call 703-558-3435 or visit SynergyHomeCare.com for more information. Synergy Home Care will find a care solution to meet your needs. Welcome back. We're talking with Mary Jo Deering, president of the Washington Area Village Exchange, also known as WAVE. And we got a real nice overview of what village models are, how they're different, how you can start one if necessary. But I wanted to get into the kinds of programs and services. This is what really makes the village movement so unique. So let's start with that, Mary Jo. Explain to us what programs and services villages offer, and as as importantly, who offers these, and how do members receive these uh, these services and participate in the programs? Okay, well, you know, your listeners and your uh, and and others who who listen in later um, will notice the word variety <laughs> crops up in so many of of my uh, answers here, and there is certainly a very wide range of programs and services available. Um, the, one of the most important is transportation. Uh, villages will offer rides to medical appointments, to visit friends, to classes, to religious functions, to shopping. Um, and that tends to be the number one request across all of villages. Um, villages will also offer help with small repairs and technology questions at home. Um, we use the phrase, you know, neighborly assistance usually. Um, and, and meals and assistance when returning you know, from the hospital. Um, there are ongoing group activities to combat social isolation. You know, they might um, sponsor exercise or yoga classes or walking groups or book groups or game groups or uh, educational classes of a wide variety. Um, lots of them offer um, social outings, including to local gardens or museums or theaters. Um, and they'll offer you know, consultation on issues um, like um, safety in the home, uh, the need for professional assistance, etc. Now, in terms of who provides those, again, it is in most cases your neighbors. You know, as they say, it's neighbors helping neighbors. One, uh, there are two areas where um, there, where some of the larger, um, uh, more high-budget uh, villages offer uh, more sophisticated support. Um, one and one of the crucial ones is in the area of, of health issues. Um, as people age, as they go into and out of hospitals, as their health declines, they have to think of transitions. Um, these are hard, hard steps for them to take and, to, and much less to, to, to plan for. And uh, those villages that have adequate budgets, um, often the first extra person out of a general coordinator um, would be um, a, a part-time social worker or someone perhaps with a, a, a nursing background who, uh, who is available rarely full-time. It's usually under contract and may even be shared among villages. But, but at least it is someone with the expertise to handle some of these far more um, sensitive uh, issues about more uh, acute aging issues that volunteers are just not equipped to uh, perform. 
another area is in, in some of the services, um, again, almost all villages will emphasize the neighbors helping neighbors, um, but um, some villages, uh, and this has nothing to do with their budget, will um, provide a list of professional service providers, like for you know repairs, washing machine repairs, or or carpentry or handyman or something like that. In most cases, they do not use this list as an endorsement. They're not endorsing these people. They may have done some minimal vetting to be sure that they are bona fide businesses. Um, often. Uh, villages that live in an area that have an extensive listserv. Um, many of us know that one of the most frequent uses of a listserv is, hey, does anybody have a good handyman? Or can anybody help me fix my, my, my railing? Or can uh, anybody help with this or help with that? And neighborhood listservs, um, people accept you know, the advice that they get on those listservs. And so uh, some villages will sort of collect the recommendations from the members themselves and post it as a service on their website, usually with a heading something like, here are service providers that have been recommended by your neighbors, and, and leave it um, at that. Now, in terms of um, how uh, members receive those services, um, each village will have usually both a telephone number and a, a, a website a way that you can request a service. And if it's something like a ride, you need to provide the obviously the the date, the time, uh, the expected duration if it's going to be a, a round trip, and then, uh, or if it's a little you know handyman job, and each village will have uh, volunteer coordinators who receive these requests, and they may. Um, uh, uh, give them out to volunteers in in in, in different ways. Um, uh, one common way is th there's wonderful uh, technology that allows a village coordinator to have like it's it's a closed calendar, and they put up these requests you know by date um, when when there is one, and the people who are volunteers have been. And then they send out a message to all the volunteers that simply says, you know, a, a new service request has been posted. And volunteers, uh, you know, look at this calendar and they say, oh, hey, I could do that. And so right on the calendar, they're able to click and say, I'll provide this service. And this um, wonderful calendar program will then, you know, confirm that they've um, uh, taken that job uh, so that no one else signs up for it. And then it sends handy little reminders, you know, to the person who, to the volunteer that, you know, remember your, your appointment to drive so-and-so to the doctor uh, is coming up tomorrow. So, so that works uh, really well. But in, in any case, um, it, there is a coordinator who helps um, uh, distribute these service needs, you know, to the um, array of volunteers that they have available and then um, make sure to follow up to make sure that they get done. That's very impressive in terms of the kinds of programs and services that are offered. And I was just curious, since there are so many different models, how do the villages determine which programs and services they're going to offer their members? Do they get the members first and then determine the needs, or do they start offering the programs and services and then look out, look for members who would need these services? How, how, does, that, how does that work? 
well, especially a new village uh, is going to say, who do we have who can do what, right? Um, because at the beginning, you can't overpromise. You you need to know that if someone asks for a service, um, when you're just starting up, that you don't have to say, oh, ooh, I've got to go find somebody, you know? So, um, so at the beginning, they will have a, a, an array of services that they know they have volunteers, you know, for which they know they have volunteers. Um, uh, and it all depends on the interests and skills of the volunteers who are available, other than those times that I just mentioned where they may have lists of specific, you know, uh, service um, providers. Uh, in terms of programs, um, again, you start out by saying, what types of programs do we, the organizers, think we'd like to offer and that people would like, and that uh, especially if there's no paid staff, and that we think we are able to, to put on? Um, in, in my village, for example, uh, I often call this sort of a, a catalyst or a, facilitate in the a facilitator um, because I would go out and I'd say, you know, a lot of you out there have specific interests, things that you like to do. And if you would like to do something like host a, a soup swap, or if you would like to organize a small, you know, pie making class or something like that, we're here to help you. You know, we'll, we'll stand by you. We'll help with the logistics. We'll help promote it. We'll help register people. We'll, you know, however many you think you can handle. So uh, we're helping people in the community who may be village volunteers themselves, village members and volunteers themselves, say, gee, I'd like to host this, or I know a great speaker that I'd like to get. So um, again, the uh, the programs also um, come from the interests and capacities of the people in the village. I suspect then that the success of these so-called programs and services uh, is measured by the number of people who participate, and if it's something that folks continue to want to uh, to use and ask for, is that usually the way you uh, measure success, or is there some other kind of methodology that you use to determine whether what you're doing is successful? What would you tell us? Well, and again, uh, the word variety is going to pop up because it depends on the size and scope and capacity of the village to collect data, um, especially beyond, you know, simple things like how many members do we have? How many services did we provide? Um, how many people attended our programs last year? So there are that, you know, that core set of quantitative uh, data that um, most villages try to uh, collect. Um, and again, those with um, significant paid staff and resources can do a more sophisticated job of, of tracking all that. But you, but this leads to a very important point that, um, so I'm glad that you raised it, which is what about the impact of village programs and services? Not just how many did you do, but what can you say about why it was important and how it helped? And there is a lot of interest in being able to show um, you know, the outcomes and, and the impact of these village um, programs and services. Uh, the National Organization Village to Village Network is leading a project to try and develop some really sound measures and, and, and good, consistent data that could show how villages contribute to the well-being of, of individuals and even to broader community social goals like reducing social isolation 
or you know reducing the rate of people going back into the hospital um, and and by uh, you know through the programs and services that they offer and that's an excellent segue into my next question Mary Jo about not only benefiting the members themselves but perhaps the care partners the family members of the village members has there been a lot of data collection on that or even informal assessment of how successful villages have been to the you know to the folks beyond the ones who actually participate in the programs and, and services can you talk a little bit more about that Yes, uh, and, and, and thank you, because as you can imagine, uh, given this array of, of in-house services and transportation um, and help with follow-up out of the hospital um, and, 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 social, and social life, um, you know, there's a couple of ways that you can see immediately that this helps caregivers and family members. First of all, you know, for people who are, who are living uh, partners or, or living you know, um, with the person or, or primary caregivers, um, it, it reduces the burden on them. Um, it, it can help, you know, with all of those things. It, it takes the need away from them, you know, being front and center as, as responsible, as solely responsible for delivering those. Um, again, caregivers or, or family members. In addition, family members who are worried about their an older parent, and uh, the, especially family members who may not live locally, they want to know how can their parent and loved one, you know, be helped to, to remain at home or to transition out if needed. And, uh, and, and villages um, are, are happy to receive inquiries from families. We obviously don't have any way of reaching out. We don't keep contact information for the families of an older person who lives independently. Um, but we are very happy to hear from them if they have questions. And indeed, um, villages um, do get those requests, you know, very often, and and vice versa. Uh, again, um, where villages can see that one of their members is getting so frail, um, or has such serious issues that it really isn't possible or appropriate for a volunteer, an untrained volunteer, to you know be trying to help them anymore. Um, then they will sometimes try and locate family members and have a discussion with the family member and and help them with resources on what they need to know and where they can find help in determining what the, the best next step is for their loved one. And I imagine that this whole concept of of assisting both uh, care partners and family members of, of, of the village members was especially important over the last year and a half uh, during the pandemic, that there were people from villages, the neighbors coming in to help these these individuals. Absolutely. I think there are many more meal deliveries, for example, um, grocery shopping. You know, that's just, just a couple of examples, not to mention all the Zoom programs that were available that we could talk about separately. Yes, indeed, indeed. Well, I wanted to turn to the role of volunteers. You've been mentioning that quite often. It sounds like already the role of volunteers varies from from village to village, and we're talking sometimes about uh, neighbors uh, coming in as volunteers, and I want to 
get to about requirements to become a volunteer, but might it also be possible that village members could also be volunteers? Oh, they usually are. They usually are. It's one and the same um, uh, um, uh, in almost every case Um, uh, because one never knows. A volunteer might need a service sometime, and a member who is receiving some services may want to um, host, as I say, a soup swap or something like that. So in most villages, volunteers are members. Um, and, uh, And in most villages, the key roles are the same. You know, providing rides, providing simple household services, and organizing, you know, social and educational events. See, it makes sense that if a volunteer is helping to give rides, but at some point might need some kind of uh, home repair or whatever, uh, they can kind of switch hats. So help us understand about the volunteer requirements, since volunteers play such a major role are there requirements to become a volunteer? Do they have to get any kind of training? Do they have to uh, fill out an application form? Is there some kind of a um, orientation? Is their performance monitored? Give us an overview of, of how volunteers kind of starting, if somebody is out there right now listening and says, you know, I'd really like to volunteer, what would you tell them? Well, the number one requirement is a desire to contribute to your community. That full stop, that is the most important thing. Um, You want to genuinely want to be helpful to other people and see yourself as helping your community. Um, Most uh, villages do indeed have orientations and and training uh, for their volunteers. Some of the orientations are fairly broad, um, trying to help volunteers understand the village concept and. And the, um, and the limits on what villages do and don't do and, um, and, and how the process works, um, uh, especially how they can um, uh, volunteer for a specific service or, you know, the fact that they don't have to have a particular quota of services, you know, to remain considered as a volunteer. Um, and especially uh, drivers, for example, are given a very specific um, uh, training on what's appropriate and not appropriate, because for virtually almost all villages that, that I know of, for liability reasons and, and, and other good reasons, um, the drivers are not supposed to physically assist a person in getting from the house to the car and into the car. Um, uh, the, and and when, the ser- when the driving service is advertised, um, uh, they try to uh, make clear to to the members that um, the the member needs to be able to get out of the house and into the car at their own speed. Again, this can vary, but again, the the risks of a fall for someone who is very frail or has you know broken a leg and is and, and needs to get down you know six steps. Um, if if that's a situation, then the village has to work out some very specific uh, uh, arrangements. Um, you know, before uh, agreeing to to provide that, just for the safety of both parties. That brings up another question about if the the volunteer driver takes the uh, village member to wherever, the doctor's office, and God forbid they were in an accident, would the volunteer driver then be held liable, or wh- what would be the circumstances there? Well, all villages um, do have insurance, liability insurance for their volunteers. 
And uh, but there's a couple of just basics about insurance in general that people should keep in mind. The first is if you're driving your car, your insurance is always the first to pay, right? Um, you know that's what your car insurance you know covers. Um, and most important, uh, I, I will say that I've asked this question about every other year. I have never heard of a single case of a village being sued because at their heart, it's neighbors helping neighbors. You know, person A said, I really can't, I really need to get to my medical appointment next week. Person B says, I'm your neighbor. I'd really like to help you get there and I'll take you. You know, if there's an accident, how often, you know, would someone sue? And so again, there is liability insurance available, but um, number one, it has never been needed to date. And number two, um, why you're, you know, you are no more, you're usually no more liable than you would be, you know, if you were, you know, driving a friend somewhere and you had an accident, you know, your, your car insurance would, would cover it. Okay. Well, good information to know. Well, I want to make sure that we provide enough time here to listeners about the Washington Area Villages Exchange. So tell us a little bit more about your organization, the services that WAVE provides, and to whom. And now I want to get back to what you asked me uh, if you could talk about earlier, and that's the mentor program. So in case folks are interested in maybe establishing a village in their area, they would know what to do. So tell us about your organization, Mary Jo. Well, thanks uh, very much. So the Washington Area Villages Exchange is really a forum um, through which the um, 74, 75 um, villages in the metro D.C. area um, you know, can come together. Uh, we cover uh, all of northern Virginia and we go out into Rappahannock County, though, now, um, uh, Montgomery County and uh, up into Howard County and over into Anne Arundel County and all of the district. Um, and this is a, a place uh, for you know, sharing experience and ideas so that villages can, you know, strengthen their, their services. Um, WAVE also works um, with senior serving and intergenerational organizations and agent, agencies to, to advocate for villages individually and collectively. Now, in terms of what we actually do for uh, villages, I, I, should, I should also say that um, we do not, there's no requirement that villages um, become a member of WAVE. As I say, there's about 74, 75 that we know of for operating or under development. And we usually have, you know, maybe 60% of those are, are members. Our, our dues are only $35 a year. And, uh, and, and we think that that's worthwhile. But, but, we, uh, but anyone can participate in our activities to date, with one exception that I'll get to at the very end. So, um, and, and we don't provide direct services to individuals in the sense that individual villages do. But we do offer these edu educational programs that are open to individuals on a range of topics. We've had things like financial scams, navigating Medicare, um, you know, home safety, um, end of life issues. And those have been offered previously in person and now increasingly you know, via Zoom. And anyone, you don't have to be a village member as far as we're concerned. Um, you know, to join. You, you clearly have to be on our WAVE mailing list to get information about them. Um, but um, those would be helpful to uh, people in their individual um, capacity. Also, um, 
I mentioned that increasingly uh, villages are using Zoom for their educational and um, and uh, and other you know social gatherings. And on the wavevillages.org, W-A-V-E villages.org website, right up on top, uh, there's a link to a, a shared um, service where um, villages around the whole metro area are posting links to their Zoom programs that are open to anyone, again, including non-village members. So you can find out a lot about um, at least these more educationally and uh, intellectually oriented uh, uh, programs. Um, now, uh, uh, and we offer mentoring and mutual support. That's a new program we're um, inaugurating. The mutual support side is is sort of the, the group approach, and there's and anyone, including a non-member, can participate in that. And, and that includes our quarterly meetings that have speakers and breakout sessions and the Zoom sessions that we um, provide. Uh, you don't need to be a WAVE member to participate in those. But we are going to begin an individual mentoring program, which would be one-on-one -on -one for individuals or small groups who are thinking of, of starting a village or who may be having some difficulty navigating um, a particular growth spurt <laughs> uh, in, in, in the life of that uh, village. And that individual mentoring will be offered only to you know, WAVE member villages. And we're co cooperating with the national B2V network on, the, on that individual networking program um, in, 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 in two ways. Um, first of all, if the national program, if B2V uh, receives a mentoring request, which it does from across the country, um, from uh, a, uh, an organization, an entity that happens to be in the WAVE region, they're going to automatically refer them back to us. Um, uh, and conversely, if we get a request for a topic on which we don't have any experienced mentors, for example, I've told you we have no hub and spokes um, uh, models here. So if someone in our WAVE area wanted to set up a hub and spokes model, I, we could refer them back to the WAVE mentors who may be in other parts of the country where um, they have experience in setting up and running something like that. So... Um, uh, that uh, I, I think is um, you know you know could be helpful to anyone who is either uh, setting up a village or who has a village already and needs some help. And if people hearing this information and you gave the website is 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 there a telephone number or is it is it a way of uh, should they just go to the website and then fill in some information and someone will contact them? How, how, how does that work? Yes, indeed. Um, you'll see contact information on the website. There is unfortunately no telephone. Okay. And you've been mentioning about establishing new villages. What's the situation in DC area? You mentioned several times about there's 74, 75, and I think I, I mentioned that in my intro is are more planned what have you heard in terms of expansion in this area and for that matter across the country well um as i mentioned um they are expanding more outward for example having rappahannock uh join was was an example of this uh geographically wider um circle uh to to cover one thing that's interesting um i i, I mentioned that montgomery county has one person who who is invaluable in helping all of the 40-odd villages in Montgomery County. 
um, you know, and she has been noticing that the rate of increase in startups is diminishing. Now, it could be that there's saturation. I don't know. Um, uh, it, it's not that it's gone away, but there was a, a real burst of activity in the first, you know, 10, 15 years, uh, setting up, you know, mostly these small neighborhood uh, networks. And as with any organization, you know, I'll, I'll be very honest, you know, organizations grow um, just like people do. And there are transitional points um, that often pose um, stumbling blocks. Um, often the uh, group that's originated um, the village, gotten it off the ground and poured their heart and soul into it, has a hard time finding anyone to take over. <laughs> so there, there's things like that. And I also mentioned there's increasing interest um, to share certain functions where a village doesn't have the resource to hire or contract with a professional social worker or something. Um, and so there's interest in, in, um, in that area. Um, but as, as I said, if there's anyone listening who really wants to start one, um, I, I encourage you to do so. And in fact, I'm happy um, if it's appropriate to, to give my email that people could personally contact me if they want to be you know, connected uh, to a, a really a good resource in their area. Did you want to give that on the air? All right. It's MJD for my name, Mary Jo Deering, MJD at MJDeering, M-J-D-E-E-R-I-N-G dot net. All right. Well, we're just about out of time, Mary Jo, but I just wanted to, you've been giving the various information. Is there any other resource that people can look up on the internet or wherever about villages in their community. And then I guess I'd also ask you to give us a final comment about what you want folks to understand about the village concept. Well, I think I'll just repeat the two websites that I've given. The national website of, of the Village to Village Network is vtvnetwork.org. And there's a lot of information on there. Um, the, the widest amount and the richest amount of information you do need to join, but there's contact information there. And again, they will work with people who are just starting up villages so that you could get a, a preliminary you know, joiner um, membership and then uh, really get into their mentorship program. And then the wavevillages.org, uh, which I've mentioned. Um, in terms of my take-home message, I just want to say again that you know villages are really vibrant intergenerational communities. Um, at their heart, they really have a, a social connection as much as a practical connection, and they're as diverse as the people who organize them and live in in that area. Anyone listening can start a village, and they'd be following in the footsteps of hundreds of other people who started from scratch, including my dear friend who just passed away this morning, and myself. Um, WAVE and other organizations really stand ready to help you. All right. Well, good advice and a good way to close the program. And I certainly want to thank Mary Jo Deering, president of the Washington Area Village Exchange, also known as WAVE, for joining me today. And I just wanted to add that if you want to know more about Aging Matters, you can visit our website, which is www.agingmattersonline.com. And there you can access all of the Aging Matters radio shows. We've done now over 200, also 25 TV show episodes. And you can 
find out the place to access these Aging Matter podcasts on Apple and Spotify. And if you want to continue to learn more about Aging Matters, you can subscribe to the monthly email newsletter. And that way, each month, you'll receive updates about new radio shows and TV episodes. Aging Matters is produced in association with Ink Mouth Media. Learn more about that organization by logging on to inkmouthmedia.com. Thank you for listening to Aging Matters. And remember, age is just a number, not a label. I'll be back again with you next week. Aging Matters is sponsored in part by the Aging Life Care Association, an organization of aging life care professionals. Aging life care professionals offer guidance, advocacy, and support for older adults and their families in order to maximize quality of life. An aging life care professional can be there for your loved one when you can't be. More information about the Aging Life Care Association is available at www.midatlanticalca.org. Thank you.